Hey, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. Hope you enjoy the message. All right. Uh, good morning, everybody. We are finishing up our, well, at least my portion, of Art of Neighboring this week. And I hope you've been challenged, but I hope you've come in contact with the chances to neighbor well in these last few weeks. It's amazing when you start looking for the opportunities to neighbor, the hell of a, all of a sudden you see the opportunities to neighbor. Uh, you can go a long, long time without even thinking, well, I don't, I don't have a chance. I never talk to my neighbors. I never this, I never that. And then you start thinking about neighboring and you're like, oh man, I talked to them five times this week. Oh yeah. My kids hit balls into their yard all the time. I, I do need to go over to their house and talk to them a little bit. We were like waist deep in shrubs this week because one of my Bowen's friends hit a wiffle ball about five houses down. Problem is they have a 230-pound mastiff, and so they're in the bushes, and I was like, man, if they'll get scared and open that door, you all better run because <laughs> Hoss is aptly named, okay? He needs a saddle, uh, but it's just this idea and this fun part of like you need to, you get to see neighboring happen when you actually start to think about it, when you actually open your eyes to it. And that's one of the major calls of this whole uh, series is that, wait a minute, let's open our eyes, especially coming out of the season we just did, where we got very, very, very trapped. Any extroverts feel very trapped in their house for these last two years. Um, introverts are like, this was wonderful. But <laughs> you feel that, that enclosure going on, and now it's, wait a minute, let's look for the opportunities. Let's address them how they can be. Not with an agenda, except the agenda to love somebody, to care, to listen, to help. And so this morning, I want to kind of recap what we've been talking about, but also uh, push that forward. Gives us some really practical, really, really, really practical things that we can do on how we uh, live a lifestyle of neighboring. Because it is a choice. It is something that we have to choose to work on. It's something we have to choose to observe. It's something we have to choose to see the opportunities in our life. Because we can choose not to see these opportunities. We can get our blinders on, go to work, go home, do our thing with our family, just by ourselves, whatever, and not see the opportunities around us. And so I think there's things that we put in our lives that cause those blinders to start to get closer and closer and closer and closer together. And there's things that we can do to open those blinders so that we can start to see uh, the opportunities that are around us. Mark 12, 28 to 31 says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The important one answered, uh, the most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and with all your mind and with, oops, I got off, sorry. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So the questions are, are we orienting our lives? Have we placed our lives in a, such a position? Have we positioned ourselves to do this? Have we positioned ourselves so that we can love well? 
this truth of positioning, of posture, of how we conduct our daily lives is incredibly important. And how we, we do this and how we set this posture sets the tone for how our relationships go for the rest of our lives and concentric circles around us. How is our posture towards our spouse? How is our posture towards our kids? How is our posture towards the people that we come in contact with? How is our posture even, it radiates. Something gets broken when our posture is very loving and uh, caring towards people that are four concentric circles out, but our own spouses get the short end of the stick all the time. Now, there's lots of reasons for that. They're a safe person. They're there. They're always there, breathing. Why? No. Uh, so <laughs> Some of you, if you have a snore, uh, you know, no, I, my wife does not snore. It's me that snores, but anyway. Um, I'm surprised I don't wake up with a pillow over my face some days. Uh, so... Um, but how is our posture? How are we doing that? What, what does that look like? And so we need to walk back those circles and make sure that our posture is in a place um, that we can love our spouses well, love the people inside our houses well, and then love the people closest to us and just keep on radiating like that. We cannot use the excuse that, well, there's a safe person or they're always there person. Um, that's not a reason not to love them well. I even want to come back... One circle, there's two, two circles before that, even earlier. One is, are we loving ourselves well? And two, do we love God well? Because what's the order of commandments? Love the Lord your God first, and then love your neighbors. So I think they go walk hand in hand. They are so close to each other. But... The overflow of how we love our neighbors and how we love the people around us, how we love everyone else in our life, has to be rooted in how well we are loving God. Because if we are not doing that well, there's nothing in the tank to love others well. And you guys have seen this in your life. When your schedule gets too busy or things start to happen, and all of a sudden you go, there's, I don't have anything left to give to that person. And sometimes you don't recognize that until after you bit their head off. Not, not from personal experience at all. Right? You don't, you don't recognize it like, where did that venom come from? Why did that happen? And so I know I've acted that way before. And so I have like, I have signs that I go, if this happens in my life, I pull the brakes. Something's getting canceled. Something's happening. I will let Kelly know. Kel, these four things are going in my going on in my life, I'm going to try really hard not to take it out on you or the kids. I'm, I'm trying really, really hard. And she helps me with that, like, hey, I don't think I deserve that. <laughs> You're right. And now I'm really mad at myself, but I got to process that and go deal with that. I got to bring that before the Lord. Lord, I am dry. I am hurting. I, something's going on. But we have to love God well first, and then we can love our neighbor well first. Or second. That, there can't be two firsts. Good catch. All right, but you guys understand what I'm. You understand where I'm going with that, and I think we we kind of we hop, skip, and jump over the loving God well, because the neighbor can be tangible. The people in my lives can be tangible. I can have a reciprocal thing in that. Now you can have a tangible difference in when your relationship with God improves. There will be more peace in your life. There will be you will walk with more freedom in that. But that's not necessarily like I can't check that off. We could check off neighboring well this week. 
we had a s'mores party at our house, right? S'mores were eaten, hot dogs were even eaten, people laughed, we win. I can't have a hot dog with, with God. Not kosher, all the best. <laughs> but I can't invite him over for a s'more, yeah, and there's some, some stuff going on there. Now I can't have a nice campfire on my, in, my, uh, in my fire pit, and I can have a wonderful communing moment with the Lord in that, in that time, but I have to intentionally do that. It's a little more uh, difficult. I have, to, I have to get my heart right. I have to get my head right to wrap around participating in that and experiencing in that. But when a kid's running around the neighborhood and, and we're like, hey, you're funny. Let's have fun together. Like, go get on the trampoline. That's a very more tangible experience. But I have to consciously fill the tank of loving the Lord so that I can pour out and be ready to love my neighbor well. And so if we ask ourselves that hard question, am I loving God well? It's a very often a very one-sided relationship. I want God to love me. I need him to forgive me. I need him to do these things. I need him to show up. I need him to answer these prayers. I need him, him to do this. Check, 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 check. Instead of, am I participating in this relationship? Am I loving him well? Because he's the Lord of the universe. I probably should be subservient to him, not him trying to get him to come to my beck and call. That is a posture and an attitude shift that is vital to how we love God and how we love our neighbor. Our ability to love God and people is directly tied to our positioning. Our ability to love God and people is directly tied to our positioning. You can write posture there as well if you want, but it's how are we conducting ourselves? How have we positioned ourselves to love well? If we've positioned our world so that we are the center of our world, there is going to be a positional problem. The center of our world needs to be how we love the Lord the best of our ability. Is there a place for self-care? Absolutely. But is actually behind how we love God. If you love God better and more fully and thoroughly, you'll be taken care of. God is good enough for that. Our positioning matters. We go through a season, this last season, the positioning was always about getting in smaller and smaller groups. As we start, as church world starts to do research and studies on how COVID impacted church, we're learning all kinds of interesting social, socio things, how people react. As we, we're going to learn all kinds of different things about how, how it affected our kids' education. We're going to learn all kinds, all kinds of interesting stuff. And stuff that we, don't, we won't even know from 20 years from now. There's going to be a generation of kids that just act different because they had this interesting landmark thing that changed the world. One of the ways in which Christians have to change have to act differently, have to pivot in this moment is we have to love well. And we have to be known for loving well. In an age of closed-offness, I know that's not a good vocabulary word, but in an age of just really thinking insider, we have to be incredibly intentional about loving the ones around us. And that begins with our posture. Living a lifestyle of love is tied to our attitude. Living a lifestyle of love is tied to our attitude. 
What should our attitude be? Great question. Thank you for asking. First Peter 2, 9 through 10 says this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Some of you need to read that over and over again. You need to write it on the mirror of your house. You need just to repeat, repeat, repeat. You need this on an audio file and just play. But you, who? Them. No, you. Who? I can't be me. No, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There is so much beauty in pack, like packed into this verse. Who is Peter writing to? He's writing to an oppressed people that are thinking they're going to get killed at any time. They're, they're, they don't have, they've lost their uh, identity as Jewish people. They've all converted to, to Christianity. They don't have their community to hold on to in the synagogues. They've lost everything that has been their identifying factors. They don't have to do the kosher laws anymore. So even the very foods that they eat are different now. Everything about their life is disorienting. Who am I when I don't do the customs that I used to do? Who am I when I don't hang out with the people that I used to? Who am I when I don't do business with the people that I used to do business with? These are very disorienting things. Who am I when my family has disowned me and doesn't want to be around me anymore? Who am I? Well, Peter says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are are a holy nation. You, you who are di- feel disoriented about everything in life are his special possession. He's the one who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. That's who Peter's writing to. And so in our moment and in our time, when we feel disoriented or we feel like, ah, there's a tension there and there's a, I, I, I'm trying to live this lifestyle of love, but I don't know what that looks like. And it, it makes some of my relationships a little more tension, but it also is producing some new relationships, and I don't know how to navigate those things. What does Peter say about you? You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. If we change our attitude to believe that we are God's special possession, what does that change in us? Maybe some of us don't neighbor well because we don't think we have anything to offer our neighbors. You are a chosen people, God's special possession. When we deal with this neighboring well and loving people well, uh, I want to speak of a few things that, that keep us from doing that and then also a couple of things that we can do to really, really step into how to neighbor well. The first is this, and we talked, Avon and I talked about this a lot this week. It's been on my heart, and uh, it was fun because she was saying the same thing in her we read this week and uh, that I was talking about in the, the message, and it was just a fun conversation. But it's this moment, and this applies to a lot of different things in life. Fear leads to regret. 
Fear does not lead to victory. Fear leads to regret. I never feared my way to something wonderful in my life. Now, you're afraid that, you know, when you're going to propose that someone's going to say no. You're afraid a little bit when you take a chance. Yes. But when you get operate your whole life out of a response to fear, you make your decisions out of a response to fear, you're only inviting regret. What if my neighbor doesn't want to come over? Who cares? They said no. Whoop-de-doo. What if they, it doesn't matter. Fear leads to regret because at the end of the day, what happens if I don't step into that? If I don't build that relationship, what do I miss out on? How many of you had relationships? This has happened to me several times in my life. Like when I'm getting ready to move um, from college or from uh, maybe from Georgia or whatever, um, or neighbors are getting ready to move. It's like their house goes up for sales. You're like, hey, how you doing? Now we're best friends for the two months you're still here and now you're gone. Is that, am I the only one that's ever happened to? But that's, I don't know if it's like, well, if they don't like me now, I don't care. They're moving in two months. I don't know what subconscious thing's going on there, but it, it happens like, oh man, we lived next to each other for seven years and I just now got your name because I didn't want to be rejected and I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with all that stuff and and, and now I, I lead to regret because I didn't participate. This has to do with relationships in our lives. Fear can bog you down, be like cement on your feet to not participate in a relationship. But it's only going to lead to regrets. I should have talked to them more. should have cared more. should have taken that step. The shoulda, woulda, coulda has come out of fear. I was watching um, another business podcast, and they're this very successful entrepreneur woman. And they said, how do you do these crazy business adventures? How do you, how do you manage the risks that you're taking? And she said, oh, I'm always afraid, but I do it anyway. And I thought, one, that's incredibly, incredibly authentic. Like, no... When you're getting interviewed as, you know, as this successful entrepreneur, you're like, I'm never afraid. I win at everything I do in my life. No, she's like, no, 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 I'm scared to death. But I do it anyway. And I thought, how wonderful is that to just admit? And maybe to admit to ourselves, I'm scared that I'm going to get rejected by somebody. I'm a little nervous is when I talk to somebody and they go, I don't like you. (laughs) You Or you get get that feeling back. You're like, okay, I tried. But I don't have a regret in that. It's okay to be afraid in that, but we can't let the fear fear have victory in our life. Instead, we operate out of being God's special possession, his priesthood of believers, and we get to walk in that, which leads to victory. Fear leads to regret. Obedience leads to blessing. Obedience leads to blessing. Living in obedience to God's call in our life leads to blessing. When we are obedient to God's call to love people, the beautiful fruit of relationship is blessing. Stepping into life with more people means that you will offend more people. It also means you will bless more people and be a blessing to more people. Obedience to being a good neighbor. Obedience to loving well. 
How do we do that? How do we make sure we build filters in our life to know that I'm going to be obedient to God's call on my life? What does that look like for me? I hear you, Jared. I hear all the things you're saying. Neighboring sounds fantastic, except you don't have the neighbors that I have. Got it. You don't have the schedule that I have. I understand. You don't have the, the I don't like people, Jared. Fair enough. I get it. They're messy. I, I, don't, I don't have these, these roadblocks that I also, I just I face. I get it. And so I want to, maybe one of these will help you start, start to take the next step in neighboring. This isn't something that you go zero to 60 on. Right? You just, whoa, 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 whiplash, neighborhood whiplash. All of a sudden, you're throwing block parties every five seconds in your house. and you're, They don't come. Well, they just don't even know your name. Just chill out for a second and go, hi. There, you can start with that one. Uh, so the action steps. First thing you can do, maybe you need to quit something. Isn't that weird? I'm telling you to add neighboring to your life. Maybe you need to quit something. Maybe you have something sur- superfluous. Woohoo! Uh, in your life, <laughs> you have something a little extra. You have too much stuff in your life. For me, I used to watch way too much Sports Center. Did you know that you get the same Sports Center every 30 minutes? It's the same one all day long. Maybe if like someone gets hurt, there's a, like an added 30 seconds. I'd watch it for like an hour and a half. Why? No clue. But I need to cut that out of my life. And maybe you've got stuff like that. You can make fun of Jared. That's fine. But like it didn't, it doesn't change. There's, there's extra stuff we've got built into our life that, that really doesn't matter. If we really, if we really look at our lives, maybe it's time to quit something. It might be a hobby that you go, you know what? This doesn't add value to the way I love God. It doesn't add value to the way I love myself. It doesn't add value to the way I love my spouse or my kids. It actually takes away from these things. I just do it. And I don't actually know why I do it. I just done it for so long. Now, if that's your job, that's probably a, a problem that you need to you know, deal with it. Okay, <laughs> but but it's something else that you just done it for so long. You're like, I don't, I don't, I don't really actually enjoy this anymore. I don't know why I do this. Maybe it's time to quit something so that you have the bandwidth to love well around you. Maybe, and that could be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's probably Facebook. <clears throat> but there you go. Um, just, throw, just throw it out there. It's probably turning off the TV. Um, <laughs> but that's my hobby. I did. Yeah, I've heard of. Uh, second thing, start earlier. Just start earlier. Maybe you can reclaim some of your time in your day just by starting earlier. Now that, I don't like it at all. I am not a morning person. I'm not. Kelly is. She starts her day earlier so that she can have some time by herself because she's a busy working mom. But she starts her day earlier so that she can have the bandwidth and be available later in the day when the house is busy. Because if she doesn't get that time, if the kids wake up early, God help them. If they invade in that time, I can't believe they came up or woke up 15 minutes early. She, like, she needs that moment, but she's just got to start the day earlier so that she has the bandwidth to work and process and, and be able to deal with all the other craziness that's going to be happening in a day. Maybe that's something that you need to do. Because if you wake up at the same time as your children, you wake up and you like, I'm on a strict schedule, but then kids happen, and they throw that up, throw that off, or throw it up. <laughs> uh, what happens? 
what happens? That pressure cooker gets real pressurized real fast, doesn't it? I can't believe you threw the Cheerios on the ground. I'm four. It's what I do. Yes, but you just messed my schedule up for the whole rest of the day. Well, whose fault is that? You're the one that slept in an extra 20 minutes. Oh, the four-year-old does not talk back like that. If you have a four-year-old that talks back like that, you've got a lawyer on your hands. Um, <laughs> but start earlier. Maybe that's something you really need to, to focus in. Start earlier. Don't, number three, don't waste your lunches. Don't waste your lunches. There's a great, great uh, business book that should be applied to uh, how to love your neighbor really well. It's called uh, Never Eat Alone. Never Eat Alone. It's this idea of like, everyone has to eat. Everyone has to eat. Don't waste it. Don't waste your lunches. Don't waste your breakfasts. Don't waste those moments in which you can be investing or dealing, talking with people, caring about someone. Number four, keep alert. Opportunities are everywhere. Opportunities to care about people are everywhere. When I'm at the ballpark, um, I might as well just wear a sign that says, talk to me about stuff. Like, I, they were joking around about me, like, building a lifeguard chair, and I just go sit in the lifeguard chair whenever I'm in, at, when I'm not coaching, so people can just, I can hold court. Uh, but it's, it's, everyone's got a question. And I'm, those questions might be, I can't pay for uh, the registration. Uh, it might be, my kid is struggling. It might be, hey, this coach just went crazy on an umpire. Hey, that umpire just went crazy on a coach. It, who knows what, what it's doing, but I've got to be available for these conversations. And now the people, I'm good at it. And so sometimes when I'm coaching third base, people will come to the fence and start telling me the problems. I'm like, whoa, I need boundaries. There's a fence there. Please don't, no talkie talkie, right? I can't, can't do this. Um, but there's a moment. So there's a moment in which I'm invested in this, in this time and I've got to deal with what I've got to deal with. But then once I get outside that fence, it's like, no, I got to be available for opportunities to invest in people. Now that's just a, a microcosm of life. When we're in our home, when we're in it, our kids need our attention. Our wife needs our attention. Our, our, our husband needs our attention. And we're going to invest in those moments. There's, there's the boundaries. There's, this is not their time. But once we say, okay, that time's done, now I need to have the opportunity to be available and to actually look for those opportunities. We draw clear boundary lines. You say, no, these hours, I'm not going to do it. You don't have to be the world's greatest neighbor uh, 24-7, 365 days of the week. No, no, Christmas is off limits. You should, you know, <laughs> Christmas morning, do your family thing. It's cool. You can be a neighbor the afternoon. Um, but we have to draw certain boundaries on this. Well, pastor said I need to do this. No, 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 no. Pastor said you've got to have boundaries and, and know where your opportunities lie. It's really removing the scales from our eyes so that we see the people who live to the left or to the right of us. Opportunities everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. I hope you found that to be true in these last few weeks as you started to ask the question, how am I neighboring? It comes up and you're like, oh my goodness, I never thought of that. I never thought of this. Number five, redeem your schedule. Your schedule and your kids' schedules can overwhelm your life. Sometimes the schedules give us the opportunities to neighbor well, and sometimes they are the things that keep us from neighboring well. So what does it take? If you have to go to work, I know, I'm a bummer. 
You have to go to work. You have to eat. You have to sleep. You have to do certain things in your life. What if we look at those things instead of have-tos, but who do we get to do this with? And that starts to change the narrative. Maybe that changes to, like, I could actually carpool. You have a lot of incentive to carpool right now. How do I change the way in which I look at going to my kids' practices? I have to sit there for an hour, and I'm cranky the whole hour. What is it? You know, Susan's got three kids the same age as my youngest kid. Maybe I should talk to them. Or I could say, hey, there's a park down the road. You guys want to go down to the park for that hour while we do this? I don't know. Just starting looking for those opportunities. You've got to do things, but what if they get to be, who can I do them with? Changing those have-tos to get-tos changes the whole narrative of how we neighbor, how we love, how we care. I've got to wash the dishes, but what if I get to wash the dishes with my kids? You know, I have some of the best conversations with Bowman and Kendall when we're washing dishes together. One, because they're very, very grateful I'm helping. <laughs> right? But that, that's, that's when we have good conversations. So we, we have to do lots of things. But what happens if we get, make those have-tos get-tos? I'm sure you can make a list of the have-tos in your life. And like, Lord, I think I would pray over those have-tos. Lord, how can, you, how can I have eyes and a heart to see these have-tos as get-tos? I have to do this thing at work that I absolutely hate. What, how do I change that to be a get-to? I have to do this thing at my house. How do I change it into a get-to? I have to change the sump pump. I told this story a couple weeks ago. I have to change the sump pump every year around Mother's Day or Father's Day in my house. You guys are like, what? I understand. I have to do it every year or I'm going to have a flooded basement. It's just I have to. And every year... I invite Bowen to be a part of the process. And every year, I yell at Bowen for helping me with the sump pump. And this is not fair to him, right? This is my parenting problem and my stress factor of that there's literally water coming in and I've got to fix this in 20 minutes or less or I'm going to have a flood in my house. And this year, I was like, okay, Bowen's with me. I got this. I'm going to change this have to to a get to. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And uh, for this year. It was the very first time. I did not yell at Bowen. <laughs> that, uh, that may have more to do with uh, his talent level as a 12-year-old now instead of an 8-year-old. But uh, uh, it, it was great, right? And it became a, a, a get-to. Now, I still, it's still terrible and still cost me a lot of money and all these things. But what happens when we take the mundane or even the pain in the rears and we change them to get-tos? That might be with your family and that might be with your neighbors around you. The opportunities are everywhere to love your neighbor well. We have to concentrate. We have to be present enough to realize and take inventory of ourselves, to be reflective enough to say, Lord, am I loving you well? Have I over-busied my schedule so much that I'm not even paying attention to how my heart is? Am I loving you well in this? And then am I loving the people closest to me well? And then am I loving my neighbor well? Am I, is this transitioning? What's, what are the roadblocks? What are the, the things that are keeping me from really engaging there? And if I can't remove them from my life, how do I redeem them in my life? To set myself on a new trajectory so that I can love God with everything that I have and love my neighbor as myself. Let's pray. 
God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for who you are. Lord, I ask you to bless us on this journey of neighboring. Lord, that you would redeem our time, redeem our schedule, redeem our moments, redeem all the different things going on in our life. Lord, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted. You would give us hope where we need hope. You would show us that we are good enough, we're strong enough, we're smart enough, we're likable enough to be the neighbors that our world is craving. Lord, for such a time as this, we are called to love well. With all the craziness going on in our world, with all of the baggage, with all the hurt, with all of the misunderstandings, with all of the just junk that's going on, that this is a moment in which we have to love well. We have to live out what we hear you say. Lord, would you give us courage that we would not be people of fear, but we'd be a, a people of courage, walking in love and care of our fellow man and woman. Lord, right now we ask you to empower us. I ask your Holy Spirit to fill us with the energy with the discernment, with the words, with the actions to love well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe, and don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.